Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day. And if you're not, hey, I got you covered. I'm about to share an incredible interview I just had with Ryan Mickler. If you don't know who Ryan Mickler is, he is the founder of Order of Man. And in just eight short years, these guys have basically cemented themselves as one of the leading, if not the leading community for men to experience community, to experience growth, and really to have an overall healthy and successful life. Uh, Ryan has hosted the likes of, you know, Ed Milet, Grant Cardone, Kirk Cameron, Tim Tebow. I mean, the list goes on and on. This guy is incredibly accomplished. And I had the privilege of actually interviewing on his podcast a little while ago, uh, maybe like a month ago from when this comes out. And at the end of the interview, I was just like, hey, man, really like your messaging. Would you be willing to come back and interview on mine? I was not expecting him to say yes, uh, but 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 uh, just to my surprise, he did. And we had an incredible conversation today. Uh, we talked about a lot about masculinity and manhood because obviously when you founded The Order of Man, that's kind of the stuff you talk about. But he's just released a book. They have a really cool community called The Iron Council, which he explains that I think you guys should all join and be a part of. And uh, they also will have this killer podcast that you guys should definitely go and check out. And we've put links to everything in the show notes. But what I really want you to listen to in this interview today is just the the way that he speaks about manhood, about men, about masculinity, because it's not just the message that is refreshing. It's his delivery that I think a lot more people need. And so I know you're going to learn from this guy. I know you're going to find benefit if you are a man in particular. If you are not, then I have great news for you. You can still learn a ton from Ryan, uh, learn a lot about the male psyche. And we talked about toxic masculinity quite a bit. That's been really, I guess, near and dear to my heart lately. I've been accused of being uh, like a toxic man uh, online, not by people who actually know me, but just online. And it's really just got me thinking like, huh where did that come from? You know, what what is this toxic masculinity thing? And why do people think what I'm doing is toxic? And anyway, uh, he he really had some good questions for me in return about that uh, at one point in the interview. And and we do, we dove into kind of all, all the things that are related to that subject matter. So uh, I know you're going to benefit from it. I do want to read his interview, uh, his bio rather. I don't always do this for our guests, but I think it's really going to give you some perspective on the person you're about to listen to. And then we're going to jump in. Ryan Mickler is a husband, father, Iraq combat veteran, and the founder of Order of Man. Ryan was raised without a permanent father figure and has seen firsthand how a lack of strong, ambitious, self-sufficient men has negatively impacted society. He believes many of the world's most complicated and challenging problems could be resolved if men dedicated themselves to becoming more capable husbands, fathers, businessmen, and community leaders. It has now become his life's mission to help men across the planet step more fully into their roles as protectors, providers, and presiders over themselves, their families, their businesses, and their communities. His podcast, Order of Man, has been down downloaded over 20 million times. He has a social media presence of over 500,000 men and thousands of men have successfully completed his online and live workshops, courses, and events. You can learn more at his website, Order of Man. So like I said, we'll put links to uh, everything in the show notes, but without further ado, guys, here is my conversation with Ryan Mickler from Order of Man. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. 
My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Well, I'm here with Ryan Mickler, uh, host of Order of Man podcast. And dude, you interviewed me a couple of weeks back and I was just so excited to connect with you and really excited to get you back here on the podcast. So thanks for carving out some time today. Yeah, you bet. The The podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago, man, it blew up. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I told oh. you that, but it blew up and I got so much positive feedback. I knew that it would because the, the subjects that you guys cover, specifically as it relates to pornography, is something on a lot of men's minds. Yeah, And so I knew it would do well, but I got so much positive feedback about you as an individual and how well-spoken you are, oh, articulate, wow. well-researched. So the guys really enjoyed it, and I hope they got a lot from it. I'm sure they did. Oh, that's amazing, man. And I, I didn't know any of that. I didn't put you up to say that at the beginning of this episode. No, I didn't tell you that ahead of time. Yeah, no, that's really cool, man. So, okay, give, give people a background. I'm going to guess that a majority of our listeners have probably heard of Order of Man. Uh, when you asked me to interview and I was telling people – um, some people were like order of man and then they're like, Oh, is that the dude with the beard? Cause you know, you, your branding <laughs> used to be around like you and your huge beard. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, but I, I mean, obviously order of man is so much more than that. And you've built an incredible community. Can you just give us a bit of background on, on what it is? It, it is interesting when people are like order of man, I've heard of that. Or I've actually had people come up, like I'm, I'm wearing one of my hats and I'll have people come up and be like, Oh, that's a cool hat. Like what is it? And I'm like, oh, Order of Man. They're like, yeah, that's that podcast. That's a really cool podcast. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, and they don't know it's me. I that actually had hilarious. a guy. Oh, it's funny. I had a guy that uh, this was years ago. I would I worked out with and we had these like I, bottle shakers, you know, for yeah. pre-workout and protein and whatnot. Sure. And I brought it into the gym with me and he saw it. He's like, oh, is that Order of Man? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's awesome. He's like, I listen to that podcast all the time. Mind you, I've been working out with this guy for like five or six months. And he's like, I listen to that all the time. Do you listen to it? I'm like, yeah, occasionally I listen. And I thought he was joking. And he's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, occasionally I listen. And I was, and he's, he was kind of like, what? I'm like, well, you know, that's my podcast, right? He's like, wait, what? He had no idea that it was me. That it was my podcast. Which that's was so funny. It's so interesting, but it's, it's cool. You know, it's, um, it's cool. That, that, that's the, that's the way I describe it. It's just a cool feeling to know that we're reaching people, but. Uh, well, I think and, your question was, how did it start or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, just give people a rundown. And I just want to comment. I think you've done a really good job of not making it about yourself. Um, even though like you're still the host and all that. I think that just it's a cool testament that like you really made it about the people you serve. And obviously you bring on some pretty incredible guests as well. But uh, but yeah, for people who maybe don't know, um, yeah. what what would you – how would you explain Order of Man? What is it? Well, the the elevator – pitch, I guess, if you will, is it's a men's leadership movement. So my goal is to equip men with the tools, uh, the skills, the resources, the network, the frameworks that they need to thrive in whatever capacity they're living. So if it's a husband, if it's a father, uh, if it's a coach or mentor, business owner, community leader, I just want to serve these guys uh, and give them all the tools they need to thrive. So that's my elevator pitch. You know, yeah. I have people who are be like, uh, this feels like a cult. And I'm like, to your point earlier, <laughs> I, I the, the difference between what we're doing in a cult, and there's many, but one of the differences is I am not the central figurehead. Like yeah. I, I am an important component of what we're doing, but I called it order of man almost eight years ago because the order, the fraternity is more important than, it's not called order of Ryan, right? It's order yeah. of man. It's us collectively. And yes, I steer the ship. 
but it's uh it's a collective it's a fraternity and we've we've been doing really well and serving a lot of guys over the past almost eight years now that's amazing, man. So I, I actually listened to uh, you. You were talking a little bit about kind of the origin story, and you were you were doing some other things. And then, uh, I, in your words, at least what I recall is you said this basically took off from day one. As soon as you started kind of getting the content out there, people really resonated with it. Why do you think that is? I think that we hit the market in the right time, and I, and I think that there was a real strong need for men to have these frameworks, to have these conversations. It was interesting. I, I would have conversations with men about my experiences as a man, but also as a child, a young boy. Right. And as I shared my experiences just with friends and acquaintances, like, oh man, I didn't have a dad growing up either, or I was dealing with this, or I was dealing with that. And I realized that all of us as men are dealing with the same issues. You know this with, with regards to pornography. Yeah. Like, an overwhelming majority of men are dealing with that as a, as a, as a serious issue. Yeah. And yet nobody's talking about it. Yeah. So it's yeah. like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to address. And I think the reason that Order of Man has done so well is because we we came came online at just the right time where there was this dismissal that over the past almost decade now has been leading into a, an assault or an attack on masculinity. So yeah. you have men confronting that. But then also their own feelings of inadequacy and uh, lack of support. And we offered those solutions at the right time in the right way. So it's less to do with me and more to do with the men who, who wanted it. It was just they were craving something like we offered. Yeah, yeah. The the timing, I think, is what really stood out to me because I'm like, eight years ago, that's kind of when we start to hear the word toxic masculinity or something like that. Right. And right. I just I just wrote a post today how like you you almost can't like it it's, it looks weird to just see the word man or manhood without the word toxic in front of it now because these messages are just so strong and they've really proliferated. Um, I wonder if you can maybe comment a little bit about that. Do you think there's any validity to some of these messages around toxic masculinity or uh, like I don't know what do you what do you attribute and how are you helping your guys respond to some of these messages out there? Yeah, look, I, I dismiss that term. I understand what the majority of people are saying when they use it, that if you're using your masculine characteristics, and there are masculine characteristics, we can talk about that. Yeah. If you're using that to hurt or harm other people, they would say that that's toxic. I can agree with that. Right. That's, that's destructive. That's dangerous. That's toxic, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. But typically when we hear toxic masculinity, it's just a general sense of shaming masculinity as a whole, just right. masculinity is inherently toxic. The American yeah. Psychological Association several years ago came out with their study, and I'm using that term very loosely, <laughs> and they deemed it, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm not far off on this, that the characteristics that we would normally attribute to masculinity, such as dominance, competitiveness, stoicism, and aggression, so they isolated those four characteristics, okay. are inherently destructive and dangerous to our young men. Okay, so some people say toxic masculinity and they mean, well, just when you're using it poorly, but, and, and they'll also say that nobody means that all masculinity is toxic. Well, the American Psychological Association seems to think that, and this right. is a, a, an organization that's responsible for the way that we treat psychologically our young men. Yeah. So that, that's a big issue, but you have two camps typically. You have one camp that says masculinity is toxic, these are misguided souls. Uh, these are also individuals who have been victimized by men in some yes. way, maybe at, at 
some violent encounter or sexual abuse or, or some sort of trauma. And yeah. then they've associated all men or masculinity with that behavior. So they'll say all masculinity is toxic. And then you have another camp that says, no, masculinity is inherently good. It's, it's virtuous. It's righteous. Hmm. I'm in neither of those camps. Masculinity is amoral. Because if you look at what the definition of masculinity is, it's a set of characteristics and behaviors that we generally attribute to men due to their biological makeup, hormones, testosterone, things like this. Right. So to give you an example, let's isolate violence. I think all of us would agree that men have a greater propensity for violence than our female counterparts, generally. Yeah. If I'm walking down the street and I see a man violently assault a woman, we would all agree that that act of violence is an improper use of his masculinity. Yes. If, on the other hand, I saw that taking place and I decided to intervene and I beat the shit out of him and I neutralized that situation, I think we would all agree that that is a proper use of violence. Right. So violence is, or excuse me, uh, masculinity is amoral. It's how we use it that defines us as men. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So uh, what what does a guy do if he finds that he does have all this, like these qualities or characteristics that are more masculine, but maybe he's in an environment where he doesn't even have the freedom to really express those because, uh, you know, he's afraid of it being toxic or, you know, like the there's been a huge movement about even emotional intelligence, all that kind of stuff. And I totally agree with you. Like, I think what I kind of heard you saying is the pendulum can swing too far in either direction. Um, and I, I've, I've certainly witnessed that even with the emotional stuff, because we talk tons, tons about guys like learning to really get in touch with their inner selves. But that's a slippery slope as well, because you can create really soft men in the process if there aren't guideposts along the way. Um, what, what could somebody do if they if they're like, OK, I hear what you're saying and I, I, I know I have those qualities about me, but they maybe they feel suppressed or they don't feel like they can really express them without getting you know tons of backlash and criticism. So I'll answer that question, but I want to hit on something first, if you don't mind, regarding what you said. You talked about emotional intelligence. Uh, I don't think that understanding your emotions is unmanly. I I just, I don't think, there's there's a misconception about stoicism that it's like this suppression of emotion. That's not what stoicism is. Stoicism is trying to understand your emotion So it's feedback so that you can make different decisions or the same decisions, depending on what emotion you're experiencing. Yeah. uh, Moving forward. It's it's like uh, the the analogy I use is if you look at the dashboard of your car and you're driving down the highway and the the uh, gas, the fuel gauge indicator light comes on. Yeah. You don't grab the wheel, crank it and run your car into the next telephone pole or tree that you see. Like right. that would be an improper use of that light. That light's telling you you need to get gas. You don't need to go run your car into a telephone pole. Right. What do you do? Oh, hey, I'm almost out of gas. I'm going to take the next exit, pull into the gas station, fill up the tank, and get back on my way. Same yeah. thing with emotions, even anger, uh, greed, resentment, jealousy. These emotions that we would generally consider negative. They're they're not negative. Like you're you're angry for a reason. Right. Now, if you if you're angry and you go punch a hole in the wall, that's a problem. Yeah. It's it's not the emotion, it's the response to the emotion. But if you're angry and you take a deep breath 
and you get outside and you get some, some, some fresh air or you go for a run or you go lift or you hit a punching bag. And then you start to process the reasons that you're angry. Well, I'm angry because, um, you know, my wife's talking to this other guy. Okay. Well, why does that bother you? Well, you know, it makes me jealous. And, and I, and eventually you're going to get to an insecurity is what's yes. going to happen. Yeah. Right. Something happened. Maybe you were cheated on in the past. You know, maybe you didn't get enough attention from females at some point in your life. There's some insecurity that's taking place. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I got to work on that. Right. But that's, that's emotional intelligence and it doesn't make you less manly because you understand why you're angry. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, go ahead. Sorry. No, and I was just going to say, I think, I think what happens is like with any message, cause I, I like to me, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how we would present the concept as well. I think what happens sometimes is like any message, it gets distorted and there's an emotional reason for everything or emotions like people become too conscious of it and it stops them from doing the things they're supposed to do in the name of, you know, emotional intelligence. Again, it's not actually the correct expression of the term, um, but I think that that's what I was getting at. And I think that's what's happened even with masculinity is like, you know, at some point people just identified like, hey, this is actually not OK because some men are using their masculine traits and qualities in, in a way that's actually inappropriate. And they're justifying it because this is just what men do or whatever. Um, right. But, but then the pendulum has just swung so far that like you're saying, now suddenly any quality that's considered masculine is inherently a problem. And that's obviously not the case. So I, yeah. I guess I, I did want to follow up back to that question. Like if somebody does find themselves in that situation, um, I, I would say I know I know of some friends who are in you know academic environments, but it's not just in academia. There's other places as well where it's just like, just tough to like express yourself as a man and, and be manly. What would you say to them? Yeah. How, how can they do that? You used an interesting term when you were asking that question initially. You said, if they're not free to do so, I, I can't envision an environment where they wouldn't be free to express themselves that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, look, there's consequences to the way that you do it, but right. you're free to do it and you have to live with the consequences of doing it. But let's take a look at this. Let's say you're in a uh, an overly feminized uh, environment. Maybe that's a work environment. Maybe you're in academia uh, or, or an environment that frowns upon masculinity. But I don't even I don't care who it is. There's no person on the planet who doesn't look at a man who's confident, who's capable, who's sure of himself, who's emotionally intelligent, who serves other people, who is fit and strong. That they would say, well, that oh, that's toxic. So the best thing you can do is be the ideal man. Yeah. Be the man that you want to be. Look, I don't need to convince people that masculinity is good. I just need to embody. I'll use the term manliness instead of masculinity for the sake of our, our prior discussion. I need sure. to embody manliness. And then people will see that through my example that, man, this is Ryan. He's clearly a man. This yeah. is Sophia. He's clearly a man and he's kind and he's caring. He's capable. He's firm. He's fair. He's, he's, he's strong. He's fit. They're, they're going to have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I just, I, I've never been in that environment and maybe that's because of the environment I put myself in or put myself in, or maybe that's because I don't care if other people don't like how I show up that I don't even acknowledge it maybe. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's no person on the planet who despises a man who takes care of himself and takes care of other people and has the capacity to do so. That's really good. So, okay, you talked about the study with the American Psychological Association. Um, the was it four or five five qualities that they kind of focused on? They 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 listed four. So it was dominance, yep. competitiveness, 
stoicism and aggression and aggression so um are those are those like the typical like in your estimation now like study aside would you say those are like prototypical qualities of a man or what what uh what other because i know you gave a great definition before about how like masculinity is a set of qualities that we associate with being a male based on their biological functioning um, right. Are, th- are there other qualities that you would throw into the mix there that, that should be considered sure. masculine? Yeah, strength is one. Uh, vigilance is one. Mastery, se- uh, restraint, self-control, self-respect. Like, these are not exclusively masculine. Yeah. But, but they are masculine characteristics. And women can exhibit masculine characteristics. Like yes. Women can be violent, right? Yeah. Women can stoic. be dominant, stoic, yeah. aggressive. Right. They might manifest it in a different way, but certainly they can exhibit those characteristics. But those characteristics are defined by our biological makeup. Right. So that, that's why we have those characteristics. So in the book that I wrote um, that came out a couple of months ago, The Masculinity Manifesto, I actually break down eight different characteristics that we would generally consider consider negative characteristics, including the four that the American Psychological Association listed. And I explained how we can use violence, for example, or vigilance, uh, or strength, uh, or or competitiveness, or dominance for productive outcomes. I mean, competitive. Take a look at competitiveness. Yeah. The reason that America is probably, and and I know there's a lot of argument about this, but probably one of not probably one of the greatest nations that has ever existed on the face of the earth is because of competitiveness. Free markets. Right. It's it's lifted more people out of poverty. It's given more people access to medical and life-saving devices and technology and medication. It's it's done more good for more people than any other system devised. And it's built on the back of competition. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so true. So you're telling me that competition is a bad thing? Of course it isn't. Now look, there's got to be some guidelines. And that's what I talk about is we use these characteristics in an effective and productive way so that we can produce effective outcomes for other people. And I believe that's what it means to be a man. If you strip everything else away, it's your ability to take care of not only yourself, but in abundance where you have the capacity now to take care of other people. That could be your family, community, employees, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Really well said. So one quality you didn't mention, but I did want to ask you about is the whole concept of leadership. Because I think every single man on the planet is born to lead by default. Uh, it might just mean leading himself. Uh, it could be leading family, at work, whatever it might be. And I know this. I know this quality is something you do talk about. Can Can you comment on what what it looks like for a man to lead in twenty twenty two as we're recording this? Yeah. So that's actually a big tenet of what we talk about. On my hat, I don't know if you can see it, but it says protect, provide, preside. Oh, cool. And those are those are the three archetypes, if you will, of masculinity is a protector, a provider, and a presider. Preside synonymous with leadership, right? It's our job to protect ourselves and others and those who cannot protect themselves, uh, provide for those individuals physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And then the third component is to lead effectively, just like you said. So what does an effective leader look like in 2022? It's somebody who's bold, somebody who's courageous, somebody who is competent, And I think that comes before confidence is being competent in something, an ability to cast vision, an ability even to be empathetic and to understand other people and what motivates them and drives them. Because if you understand that, you can lead them more effectively. 
And then I think being a leader is, I believe it should be inherently righteous, right? You can lead people in an unrighteous way. There's plenty of examples of that. I don't really need to get into that, but we all can think of examples of that. But yeah, I think that a leader is somebody who's a, a righteous individual moving people in a direction that's going to serve them and other people. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that um, even the righteous part is like, like you said, we all kind of know what that is. It, it doesn't have to be like, here's what it means to be righteous. And here are the three things that you have to do. But I think everybody kind of knows what what that means and what that is. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be bold and courageous? Because I think those terms get thrown out a ton in conversations around masculinity. And I don't know that we always get like enough information to really know what that looks like to to lead my family or to lead myself with boldness and courage. What does that really mean? Or how do I know if I'm actually doing that in my life? Well, I would say that it's a good question. And I would say this being courageous is the ability to take action in the correct action. So I'd say righteous action in spite of the consequences, Hmm. in spite of the consequences. Okay. So for example, when you started your podcast, you were acting very courageously because you had this issue with pornography. You said for 15 years, that's not something that's real comfortable to admit. Yeah. Right. Like you don't inherently, you don't want to do that because you fear that you will be rejected by, and I'm, I I know I'm speaking for you here, but everybody feels this way. Yeah. We'll be rejected by those we love. You talked about it on our podcast. Yeah. And yet you did it anyways. Well, why, why did you do that? You did it because you care about it. You did it because you care about other people. You don't want them to experience the hardship that you've experienced. You think there's a better way for people to do it. And so you shared that that was courageous. You didn't have to do that. You probably in many ways didn't want to do that. And yet you did it anyways. And that's a courageous action. It's guys running into burning buildings to save somebody. Maybe they don't even know, right? It's, it's, it's any, it's stepping on stage to share a message, but you're freaked out because there's a thousand eyeballs looking at you, judging you. That's what they're doing. (laughs) When you step on stage, you're saying, Hey, I want everybody to judge me and my thoughts. That's a scary notion. And yet if you're courageous, you'll do it because you have the right motive, which is to serve other people. Okay. Really good. And it it does tie into what we were saying earlier as well, like that even expressing yourself as a man in this day and age, sure, there might be some consequences, right? You might get some backlash or people say that's toxic or whatever it is, but that's, that's where the courage comes in, right? It's just to just be yourself anyway. Can I ask you a question when you say that, because you brought it up a couple of times. um, And so it might, it must be an issue that either you feel or your audience, people who listen experience. And I, I personally don't come across that that often. Okay. I'm very curious if you have an example of where somebody else might tell somebody that's toxic based on the behavior they're exhibiting. Yeah, Do you so, have an example of that? Yeah, sorry. And yeah, you, you're very observant. Um, this is this has been going on for me. Um, I'm getting tons of backlash about my messaging around pornography, actually. Um, okay. Speaking against it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making bold statements like saying real men don't watch porn and stuff like that. Um, and I'm getting, I'm getting accused of a lot of toxic masculinity in my messaging. And honest, it's funny. I didn't know that was, I I've heard those terms in your podcast before. I didn't realize that was like kind of the tagline, uh, to protect, provide, preside. Um, that's what I talk about a lot when I talk about why 
you know, why men shouldn't be watching pornography because I, I really believe it hinders our ability to protect other people and also to um, like even on the reproductive side of things, whether we're talking about physically or otherwise. And um, yeah, get, getting tons of messaging around it. So that, that's where I'm coming from when I, when I make those statements. So, okay. Um, but are they telling you it's toxic to make that statement? Yeah. I, I mean, people have seen my post and they said this is, you know, toxic masculinity BS or that kind of stuff. That's interesting. I, if anything, I would assume that people would say watching pornography is toxic masculinity. You would think so. Yeah, you would think so. That, does that, that mostly comes from men, I imagine, that feedback. Yeah. The backlash actually mostly from women. Um, I don't understand that. It's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah. Now, granted, this is when my message is going out into audiences that are, um, I mean, like, because most of the work we do is faith based, right? So, so it is when we're when we're outside of some of the arenas that we're typically in. But, um, but yeah, that that was that was really surprising to me as well. I obviously would have never, I would have never expected that. Yeah, I mean, just based on the little information I have, I, I would assume that has more to do with your assertions that you're making and how bold and convicted you are behind them rather than the content itself. Because yeah. I, I just don't know of many women who would say, yeah, no, no, yeah, men should be watching porn and jacking off all day long. Like, I, I just, right. I, I can't envision that. Now, I can't envision a bunch of men who watch porn saying, hey, this is stupid, like porn's fine. I can't envision that. Yeah. But I, I think if, if, uh, if you're getting that from women, I imagine it's because you're a sure, confident, articulate man. Yeah, that could very well what be. What you're it. actually sharing. Yeah, it could it be. seems very and, strange. And I have I have heard it from from men a little bit as well. And I think those reasons are more obvious. But that that was the demographic that was kind of um hmm. I was peculiar about. Um I want I, I did notice something that you said a, a couple of times as well, which is you talked about competency and then you also use the word mastery when you're describing masculine qualities. And I know, um, I think a lot of guys hear a word like mastery and they're like, oh, I'm not a master of anything, you know, or, you know, I guess I, I, I have a job and, you know, I'm, I can do this okay, but I'm not super competent or whatever. Um, I don't know. I wonder if you can maybe even just give some examples or, or maybe maybe elaborate on that a bit more. What does it mean to, to be masterful sure. of something or to have competence? Yeah. And mastery, there, there's this whole other subset of characteristics and virtues that one needs to possess in order to achieve mastery. So discipline, focus, things like this, yeah. sacrifice, commitment. Uh, an example of that would be both of us working on our podcasts. You know, I've been podcasting for eight years now. Uh, if you go back and you listen to episode one, it probably sounds completely different than what episode 947 sounds like. Well, right. why? Because I'm deliberate and intentional about improving my ability to have a good podcast. So, for example, I've invested in new technology. I listen to podcasts like yours with an ear for learning. Like, how is he speaking? How is he sharing? I listen to Joe Rogan. The topics sometimes are good. Other times, I'm not interested. I'm more interested in how he's holding conversations. He's a masterful conversationalist. Yes. So, I listen. I invest in courses, I invest in programs, I invest in technology, I invest in my studio, I invest in all of these things because I want to improve and get better. I don't think mastery is a final destination. I think it's a process. Yeah. And as long as you're continuing to improve, I'll give you another example. Um, I've been training jujitsu for uh, almost four years now. And as I train, I'm still working on moves and submissions that I learned four years ago, but I'm trying to master them. So am I 
Do I have the right angle? Did I do the right setup? Am I holding my wrist or my hands or my fingers or whatever it may be the correct way? And if I'm not, what little changes and variables can I tweak and adjust in order to be more effective? That's mastery. Hmm. So you have a lot of guys, for example, who are very uh, dissatisfied with their work. And they believe that if they go work somewhere else, life will be better. I had a guy ask a question on our Ask Me Anything yesterday. He said, should I bloom where I'm planted or should I go conquer the world? And I said, you can't go conquer the world unless you learn how to bloom where you're planted. So if you're dissatisfied with work, and a lot of people are, studies suggest 70 to 80% of people are dissatisfied with their careers. Well, instead of going to chase a new career right, right away, why don't you learn to master where you currently are? And get mm. so good and proficient with that, that all kinds of opportunities and, and, and raises and promotions and ways to, to build yourself up and new departments that you can create within your organization. You'd be amazed what can happen if you learn to master whatever it is that you're currently doing. Okay, that's really, really well said. Funny what you said about Joe Rogan, man, because after our interview on Order of Man, um, you know, a bunch of people were asking, hey, how did it go? And I was like, Oh, I was like, you know what? I it kind of felt like being on an interview with Joe Rogan because you did, you really held the conversation well, and it wasn't just like rapid fire questions. Like it really felt like we were discussing something, and um, and I had actually used that. So that that's cool that you're you're actually studying him and learning from him because um, it definitely shows up in your work. So that's that's really cool. Well, I appreciate that. That that's that means a lot to me. I, I I've even shifted my language. You said it a couple of times as interview. Like I've shifted away from interviewing people. I don't quote unquote interview people. I'm not even a podcaster. I'm a conversationalist. Yeah, I have conversations right. with people because that's what I want it to be. I want it to be like two dudes sitting at the coffee shop or at the gym having a conversation about the things that we're talking about right now. Yeah, that's really cool. So, okay. So mastery is is uh, investing in something, learning something, paying attention to it. I really like what you said too about like blooming where you're planted. Um let me let me double up on that. What? How does somebody know when they're like? Because you you're right. You have to do both. Like if if the going gets tough and you just back out because the grass is green on the, on the other side, we know how that goes. That person's just going to be living that for the rest of their life. You have to kind of embrace the challenges in front of you. Learn to conquer them. Um, I was just talking to a friend. He's a, a business owner and he's a serial entrepreneur. Actually, he's owned like three or four businesses. Very successful in all of them. And he's hit a huge wall in this. I think it's his fourth or fifth business. And um, he was like, you know what, I think I'm actually just going to, I'm either going to go back to what I did before, or I'm going to try something new. And I said, regardless of what you do, if you don't figure out how to solve this problem you're facing right now in this company, it's going to follow you into every other company anyway. So you might as well make the most of it. Um, How do people know on the other side, if they've maybe been like, if they've overextended their stay, or how do they know when it's like, okay, I've bloomed where I planted, and now I'm ready to go conquer the world to use that guy's language? Uh, Well, I'll give you an example from my own personal life. So before I started this podcast, uh, just about eight years ago, seven and a half years ago now, uh, I was a financial advisor. So that's my background. I was helping people with investments and retirement planning and all this this sort of thing. And I, I knew that I was done when I got a phone call from a client and I grabbed my phone out and I looked and I was like, oh. And it, and it wasn't that I didn't want to talk to that particular client. It wasn't that at all. In fact, I really enjoyed having conversations with this person. It was that I did not want to have that conversation. I had lost all interest, all desire, all motivation in it. Huh. 
And at, and at the time, I had already started the Order of Man podcast. So I was doing the financial advisory practice. And then I was also doing the podcast with, with Order of Man. And more and more, I just got so deflated with the same old, boring, drawn out conversations about money. It was not a challenge in the business. I was doing very well. Yeah. Uh, it was not a matter of it being difficult or hard. I, I actually enjoy that. It was, I just lost total and complete interest in it. Huh. And at that point, I knew that I was no longer doing right by my clients. And I ended up selling my practice not long after to another another advisor, a good friend of mine. Yeah. So I think as long as there's still some interest, there's still a spark and a flame, it might be you know dampened just because it's challenging or you're up against a hard obstacle. But if there's still that little bit of flame, then you owe it to yourself to continue to move forward. But if that flame is is expired, it's gone out completely, and you're no longer motivated by that, yeah, it's probably time to move on. But I would also suggest that we don't have abrupt starts and stops. We should be evolving. Like evolution. So for example, when I went to the gym this morning and I worked out, you know, I did a, a set of weights. Well, the next time I go in, I'm not going to just go like double my weight. Yeah. Right. I'm, it's it's going to be a process over months and years of eventually being able to double what I do on bench press, for example, or deadlifts or whatever lift it is. Sure. It takes, it takes time. There should not be abrupt starts and stops. So a lot of people do this in careers. Well, I, I don't like this. I'm just going to go do this. Okay. That's an indicator that you haven't bloomed where you've planted. You think the grass is greener on the other side. A better way to do that is to kick, kick ass in your current profession and build out your network and opportunities, or maybe even start a little side business while you're kicking ass over here yeah. and then gradually shift over into this new, new pursuit. And it's a, a, a gradual, seamless transition rather than abrupt starts and stops. That to me is an indicator that you have, it's not that you've lost interest, it's that it's become hard and you hit a block. And the best way you you know how to deal with it is to turn around and go the other way. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think like um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I don't love that quote, but I do agree with it to a certain extent where I think I think people have to be able to embrace those challenges because they're like you said, there's opportunities there as, as well, right? I, I'm yes. And I'm glad that you said that about that quote. And I feel very much the same as you because yeah. I, I know some guys who really, really thrive in certain facets of their life. And are really, really horrible, myself included. Like I, I tend to be really, really good in in business pursuits and relationships, even with my family. Often struggle because of my focus in one direction. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's. I was listening to uh, Dr. Huberman. I don't know if you listen to the Huberman Lab at all. I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he he's talked about how the the prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that makes decisions. Um, always operates by a set of rules, but the set of rules that it operates by depends on the environment. It depends on the people and everything else. And so mm. I think, I think how you do one thing is how you do everything is grossly oversimplified, maybe true at a very primitive level, but there's so many more nuances to it as you kind of actually like dive into the complexities of human behavior and yeah. you know, what really drives us. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, you talked a little bit about how, uh, a, a man should provide, you know, emotionally, physically, I think he said mentally and spiritually, if I, if I heard that correctly. Um, right. I, I want to touch on the spiritual part of it. What does that mean to you? And what would it look like for a man to provide in that area? 
Well, to me, it's God. You know, that, that that's spiritually when I when I talk about that, it, it's God and it's living a Christ centered life. That that's what it is to me. And yeah. so I pray uh, we go to church. Uh, I try to make decisions as best I can. Uh, according to scripture, that, that the word of God, that's that's what it is for me since you're asking. Cool. On, on a broader sense, I think it's just having an idea about why you're here, what your purpose is, something that's bigger and greater than yourself. I, look, some people call it the universe and some people call it the muse and some people call it God, but there's some operating system that we're all living by. Even atheists have an operating system. It may have been hardwired into their brain if they, they think through um, you know, past experiences, cultural beliefs, uh, other opportunities they've had, things like this. Yeah. But spirituality to me is knowing that there's something bigger and greater and grander going on that we can tap into to keep us charging forward in the right direction. Or if we get off track, as we all do, to get ourselves back on the path, marching towards whatever it is that's that's driving us. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That uh, I like the way you said that too about like finding your purpose, finding out, and something that's bigger than yourself, right? Because I think sometimes people, uh, if if you don't have God in the mix. Um, you know, so be it. But then I think when you tell people to find their purpose, it's often very, you know, self-focused and building their own life and their own empire and that kind of thing. Um, well, let me, can I give you another example of that? Yeah. So I've got a good friend. His name is Rick Trimmer. And he came on the podcast uh, about a month or so ago. And he is, uh, he's agnostic. Is that ag where they don't, where they don't know if it's, if there is or isn't yeah, a God? Just kind is of, that, kind yeah, yeah. neutral, super yeah. neutral. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's him. So he's, he's agnostic. He's not an atheist. He's agnostic. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I hope there is, but I don't know if there is, which right. is understandable. Definitely understand. I, I felt that. And uh, I'm like, well, where does your morality come from? And he's like, well, I guess it just comes from people before me. And I said, okay, well, what about where does their morality come from? Where does it derive from? You know, and I, I'm genuinely curious, like why are he, and he is a moral person. Right. And, and I'm like, well, why are you moral? Yeah. Like if there's no greater, grander thing, and you know what's interesting, he talks about his his grandfather a lot, and he loves his grandfather, mm -hmm. and he thinks so highly of his grandfather. And based on what he's told me of him, that that makes sense. The, the man's an incredible man, and he feels connected to his grandfather. His grandfather's passed away. He feels connected to his grandfather. That's spirituality. Even right. if he's trying to do the right thing to do right by his grandfather, that's spirituality. He's connected to something above and beyond himself. May not right. be God for him, but it's still a spiritual experience. It's beyond the grave, and it's something bigger than himself driving him to make better decisions in flight. Yeah, and there's a set of values that's shaping the decisions or shaping his perspective as well, right? I think that's a huge part of spirituality. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So the at the beginning you talked about how men are often lonely. Uh, we find that, find ourselves in isolation quite a bit, going through similar struggles, but nowhere to really uh, open up. And I know you guys have really made a point of tackling this. Uh, it's certainly a big part of what we do at Deep Clean as well. We know that connection is pretty critical. I, I wonder if you can comment a little bit on what you guys are doing with the Iron Council, because uh, I think it's a pretty cool concept. And I think you have really found a, a neat way to do this in a digital environment where guys are actually having meaningful connection and and hurdling, you know, some of the isolations uh, that, that can come with just, I don't know, being a guy, I guess, in today's day and age. Tell me a little bit about yeah. the philosophy behind it and kind of what it looks like. 
Yeah, the, the, the most simplified version is we're trying to create an opportunity for men to tap into the network and the framework they need to thrive. So when we talk about yeah. network, we're talking about other motivated, driven, ambitious men. When I got on this path personally, it was very hard for me to find men who were interested in the pursuit of manliness. <laughs> like yeah. they were more interested in where the next party was and and all the all these other things that sure are fun and important, but not like my ultimate objective. It was very yeah. difficult for me to find that. And I know it's very difficult for other men to find that either because they're uncomfortable putting themselves out there and trying to connect with like-minded men, or there just isn't like-minded men around them. And it's probably a mixture of both. Yeah. And true. so what we've tried to do is create a network where you come into the network and there's already guys who have proven that they're interested in self-development because they're there. They've already self-selected themselves. And you know that every guy there is interested in development and we're all at different stages. Yeah. So that's the network. The framework is, I, I work really well under frameworks. It's like, give me the five-step process. What's one, two, three, four, and five. And yeah. I believe in systems. I believe in processes. I have all of that stuff for everything I do. And I think that's a big differentiating factor between men who are successful and men who aren't. So we've mm -hmm. built frameworks, including, I've got this. This is my, we call it a battle planner, but this is my weekly plan. It's all listed out. It's all documented. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And we let let men utilize these tools and teach them these tools and systems so they can better their lives. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. And what what are you finding? Like when people do get a network and they get a framework, uh, what I don't know what what could people expect? Because I can just imagine somebody listening who's like, Yeah, I do feel lonely. Yeah, I do feel isolated. Um, but that's scary actually to tap into a network of guys that I don't know. Uh, maybe they're super ambitious. Maybe they're way further ahead. I don't know if I'm going to be able to relate. Uh, you know, it obviously it's going to bring up a lot of insecurities. It's a pretty big hurdle when you're used to being in isolation to actually step out and be courageous. What, what could people expect? What might incentivize someone if they were to tap into a network and a framework? Well, I think the incentive is, are you happy with where you are? Hmm. Like if you're, if you're satisfied with where you are, then there is no incentive. There's nothing I could say to that question that would incentivize somebody who's already satisfied with where they are in life. But nice. if they're not satisfied, and that's who you're referring to, somebody who's yep. dissatisfied with their current station, then play that out. Like, what if you keep isolating yourself? What if you keep living below what you're capable of living? What if you yeah. keep doing the bare minimum of work? What if you keep internalizing all your problems and you don't have an outlet to express? What if you never learn anything from anybody else? Like play that out over the next 10 years. Yeah. How's that going to look? Are you okay with that? You might be, but if you're not okay with it, then you have to do something different. And maybe the iron council, maybe deeply, I don't know what it is, but you've yeah. got to do something different. It is scary. I understand that, but that's the cost of improving your life is facing your fear. So it's getting uncomfortable. It's doing something different. It's making a sacrifice. It's, mm -hmm. it's exhibiting a little discipline. It's putting yourself out there. And the beauty of what we do, and also the beauty of what you do, is we understand that about people. And so we create systems that makes it, greases the grooves, if you will. It doesn't make yeah. it easier. It just yeah. greases the grooves. So it's like, you don't know how to introduce yourself. Here's what we expect of you. You don't know how to create a vision for yourself. Here's a framework for you to create a vision. 
you don't know how to connect with other men, let us connect you with other men. So we're greasing the grooves to make this process a little bit more seamless. And you'd be amazed. I have guys that were so introverted and and shelled up and they didn't want to participate. And guys that have been with us for five and six years now, they're leading teams of 15 men. They're putting together physical, like real events where other guys are coming and connecting and going on campouts and hikes and whatever it might be. I've got one guy who does a, uh, a Gettysburg tour and he's, he's a big into American uh, early American history. And so he does a Gettysburg tour and he wow. brings some of the guys in the iron council and he talks about all the battles, man, it's pretty incredible when you just give people the opportunity and say, here's the opportunity, here's how you use it. And we're going to hold you accountable to doing it. Go. That's cool. That's amazing. That is really cool. I'm curious for you, Ryan, because uh, obviously you're leading this whole thing. So I, I imagine you can't plug into the network and the framework as a peer, you know, because you're leading it. What, right. does it. what does it look like for you in your personal life to, to get some support and some community? Well, I do have mentors. So and I, and I have mentors and coaches for different aspects of my life. Like I have okay. somebody who helps me with my uh, workouts and my nutrition. Johnny Loretti, he actually happens to be in the Iron Council. That's how I met him. Oh, nice. I have people that help me with business. I have people who help me with all sorts of things. So, so that's part of it. But I have other people in my personal life. I have my friends who I do jujitsu with. We train together. I also have a select group of guys in the Iron Council who have been with me for a long time, who have proven that they are somebody who's serious about doing life as a man. And this is five or six or 10 guys that I communicate with and work really closely with in the iron council myself. Cool. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm not above. I, I need that. And I've noticed for myself when I isolate and I focus so heavily on others at the expense of my own focus, that things tend to go south pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good word as well. And I think that's, uh, that's something to guard against for sure. Uh, I'm wondering if you can point people uh, in the right direction, Ryan, if they're, they're hearing this message, maybe they want to find out more about what you do. We talked about the iron council. You mentioned your book, um, the podcast, what are, what are some good ways for guys to plug in? Yeah. If you're, you're listening to this podcast, so you obviously like podcasts. So order of man podcast, wherever you listen to this one, uh, would be a good resource. You can check out the book, the masculinity manifesto, wherever you get your books. And we have all all four ver- uh, well three versions. So we have the hardcover, the electronic version, and the audio version, which I read myself. Nice. And then we have the Iron Council. We're actually right now, as of the release of this podcast, in our open enrollment window, which ends on the thirty first of December. So okay. if guys are interested in improving their life, moving into twenty twenty three, as we think about New Year's resolutions, we're actually going to teach you. And we've been doing this, like I said, for seven years now with the Iron Council teach you how to do it right because new year's resolutions they just don't stick we know that yeah but we have a system in place the framework like i was talking about earlier to do this a little bit differently to actually experience the results that you're after so you can check that out at orderofman.com slash iron council that's amazing and to give can you give people an idea because i think i heard are you guys approaching about a thousand members in that iron council actually closer to right around 1500 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is like, this is like a proper community that you're plugging into. And for our listeners, you know, we always talk about how the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection and um, places like the Iron Council, amazing a way to get involved and enrollments for, I think this is on coming out on the 22nd and it ends the 31st, you said, right? Very end of the year. That's right. Yep. Okay. And we're trying to figure out ways to get you involved in the community too. So you can share specifically your wisdom around overcoming and breaking pornography addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to explore that a little bit more. And uh, I, like I said, I had no idea the response was as great as it was with your community, but I, I am looking Absolutely. forward to that. So we'll put Good. links in the show notes to everything. Ryan, thanks so much for your time, man. This was really sweet. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, I cannot thank Ryan enough for his uh, just incredible wisdom. And th- again, I we've said this before on the podcast, but we really try to get people who don't just have a message, but people who live a message. And Ryan lives out his message. And um, and that was even cool to hear just at the end, you know, how he's how he's applying some of the concepts that he's teaching his community, his very large community, and how he's applying it to his own life. I thought that was really neat. So here's what I want you to do, guys. A couple things. His book is available online. Uh, the first thing you should do is go to Order of Man, uh, the podcast, and subscribe to that. Uh, the second thing you should do is you should really consider joining Iron Council. And, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like, okay, maybe I don't need help with the pornography stuff specifically but i just need some good dudes around me i maybe it's it's more like business maybe it's more faith maybe there's some other areas where you're like i need some community around me and some other guys that are driven and ambitious and want to have success in this area too go over to iron council they've made it super affordable as well it's uh, for what they offer it is incredible value and i know that you will love it and like i said we're, we're going to put links to everything in the show notes And if you are uh, nearing the end of this year and you're saying, wow, you know what? I need to wake up. I need to become the man God made me to be. I know I'm not doing that right now. And maybe you know that probably at the top of that list is getting free of pornography. Then I want you to uh, do a couple things. Okay, number one is I want you to get our copy of The Last Relapse because that is uh, the book that, that I wrote. I uh, spent tons of money to put it together and that I give to you for free. My gift to you as a listener of this podcast, you can get a, a copy at thelastrelapsebook.com. And what it's going to do is detail for you the entire blueprint from A to Z, how to make a successful recovery, okay? So that's the first place. The second thing though is if you're like, Sathya, thanks for the book. Thanks for the podcast. I'm ready for the program. I'm ready for some coaching. I'm ready to do whatever it is that the next step is. Then I'm going to put a link here in the show notes as well for you to book a time with somebody on our team. There's not a lot of time left this year. So if you don't find a time this year, don't sweat it. We're going to make some times available in the new year and we'll make sure that you can start this year completely porn free. And honestly, I don't see any reason why you couldn't. Uh, New Year's resolutions are absolute garbage. We don't really believe in that kind of stuff. But what we do believe is you capitalizing on the change of seasons, the change of times, uh, the marks of calendars, there's there's psychological elements to this that allow us to just lock in, get hyper-focused, and make radical changes in our lives, and we can help be a part of that, especially if porn is an issue. So links are in the show notes. In the meantime, guys, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon, okay? Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast, 
and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.